Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. Today we have, we are honored to have Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes has reported on the policies and practices of police departments in America, covered major criminal trials across the country, including the death penalty cases of Boston bomber Zohar uh, Zarni, I'd never say that right, and Charleston church uh, shooter Dilan Roo and written about everything from mass shootings to presidential elections. In 2019, he was named a finalist for the prestigious Livingston Award for Young Journalists and Deadline Club Award for his investigative reporting on the New York PD's secret disciplinary files. Michael's work has appeared in a wide range of outlets, including ProPublica, BuzzFeed News, Huffington Post, The Appeal, Gotham Mesh, CNN, and WNYC. Michael grew up in New England and went to college at Fordham University, same where my, my nephew, in Bronx, New York. He lives in New Jersey and his wife ran and their two sons, Clev and Elliot. Mike Hayes, welcome to Politics and How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. Thanks for that great introduction. That was great. Well, it's warranted, man. You you cover some some tough subjects, and and, and this one here, I think, is especially um, poignant. So um, let me just start right up front. Why did you write the book? So I spent uh, about the past five years digging into the NYPD's uh, disciplinary system. First got involved with it uh, back in 2017, uh, working as a reporter at BuzzFeed. Uh, I was passed about 2,000 secret disciplinary files from a source. And myself and another reporter spent a year and a half, roughly, uh, reporting on uh, those files and just found tons of egregious stuff in there, uh, brutality, lying, uh, you name it. And uh, when the opportunity uh, to do the book came around... And um, beforehand, let me interrupt a second, because yeah. I did a bad thing in not saying, hey, Michael, what's the name of your book? <laughs> yeah, good point, good point. Yeah, so the book is titled The Secret Files, Bill de Blasio, the NYPD, and the Broken Promises of Police Reform. And um, uh, just to give you give you the the thirty thousand foot elevator uh, pitch on the book. After Eric Garner was killed in July twenty fourteen, police accountability in New York City really became the issue for the De Blasio administration. And this happened in no small part because Mayor De Blasio himself said that they would use this tragedy to transform the NYPD into a police department that was more transparent and accountable to New Yorkers. Uh, as I was uh, getting to before, I focused primarily on what became the major fight over police reform in NYC during these years, how to reform and improve the NYPD's disciplinary process uh, and how the department policed its own. And what I found in the book is that because of politics and the awesome power of the NYPD, the city fell short and continues to do so when holding police who commit egregious misconduct accountable. Now, let me let me ask you this, because it it behooves me. First of all, do you think uh, then Mayor de Blasio was honest when he said he wanted to reform the police department? You know, I, I, I think he I think he did set out with that. Uh, idea in his mind, and it's it's uh, uh, it's important. I think that we we give him a little bit of credit 
Uh, he did fulfill one of his major, arguably the biggest campaign promise he made when he was running for mayor in 2012. He was going to reform the NYPD's stop and frisk policy. And uh, after only a few weeks in office, he did a really important thing, which was drop the city's appeal of the the lawsuit over the NYPD's use of stop and frisk, which allowed the, the reforms uh, to go forward. So that was a really big deal and and a really uh, big promise that he made during the campaign that he got done really quickly. However, fast forward seven months later, after after that, this is his first year in office. Eric Garner is killed, and uh, after, from from that point on, uh, uh, the public safety issue and the the mayor's administration was nothing but an uphill battle, nothing but challenges for the next eight years. Now, you've seen, uh, like I said, you went through a whole lot of files and you were able to see that there was no real decline in misconduct in police officers. In fact, you found that, uh, you know, they lie a hell of a lot. And the truth of the matter is, if you have a lying force, uh, stop and stop and frisk doesn't really have any teeth, right? Because they could be still stopping and frisking and lying, which case there's no stop and frisk, right? Yeah, well, that's that's interesting. You, you know, uh, specifically on stop and frisk and lying. Uh, when you bring that up, it, it it makes me think about the reforms that happened after the De Blasio administration dropped that lawsuit. Uh, basically, what happened was it allowed um, the city to start monitoring how the NYPD did stop and frisk, and uh, that's that monitor ship or monitoring process has been going on for uh eight plus years at this point maybe maybe even longer <laughs> uh sorry to try to do math uh on the air but it's been going on for a while and uh they regularly find in the reports that they release on how the nypd continues to conduct stop and frisk that um there's a lot of shady stopping and frisking still happening right. a lot of unjustified and, and and a lot of uh you know when 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 it's being scrutinized by this outside body. Um, they they find that officers still don't quite understand how they're supposed to use that tool. Um, so, and and I just more broadly want to say one of the reasons I've focused so much on the line issue when it comes to police discipline and NYPD is uh, one thing we found very early on uh, when I was a reporter at BuzzFeed uh, doing our investigation. Um, if you look in the NYPD handbook, the NYPD patrol guide, it's called, it's like the Bible of the mm -hmm. NYPD. Um, there's a section in there that, uh, says if you, if you're caught lying, you're fired. It's very, it's a very black and white. It, it's one of the more, it, it, it's arguably more clear, uh, how they say they want to approach lying and handle lying than it is use of force. It's, and, and, and so, because that that policy existed, um, I found it very interesting and still find it interesting that you find so many incidents where police officers are untruthful, everything from lying in court to just uh, false police documents, um, which uh, lead to people spending time in jail that they should. Now, have. you talk about false police documents. Is there any police document that isn't really false? I mean, I, I, you know, and I, I don't say that to be to be hurtful to police officers. I don't say that to demean police officers. But 
every time I've seen any report come under scrutiny from a police, it has never matched reality. I mean, it, we, we just had the five police officers who murdered that guy in, in, uh, in Tennessee. And uh, even on video, as they, are, as they are talking what the events are occurring, the video does not match what they're saying. So it's almost like they have the art of lying, in which case, how can you ever believe anything that comes out of any police officer's mouth, irrespective of locale? Yeah, uh, uh, glad you brought that up because I, I have been thinking a lot about this uh, since the Tyree Nichols story came out, and and I was wasn't shocked when I when I uh -huh. heard or when it was reported that that initial police report um, uh, was misleading uh, or or um, uh, didn't include certain information. I write about. Uh, several police killings that happened by the NYPD over the last decade in my book. And in every uh, case, uh, this occurred where the initial information that was not just put out uh, in the police report, but uh, put out by the police department to the media uh, was um, at the best unclear and at worst just false. And um, uh, not to take anything away from the Tyree Nichols case, but um, uh, if you compare it to some of the cases I write about in the book, um, hit the, the information about the police report in the Nichols case being being wrong came out rather quickly. But if you look at some of these examples in the book, Eric Garner is probably the most famous. Uh, that initial report that was put out the night of the that he was killed in 2014 made no mention of the chokehold and you can still find articles from like the New York times online. The, just the, the initial kind of five paragraph, seven paragraph news report on that where it's very vanilla, just a, a person was, was died uh, in, in an officer involved incident, something like that. Um, other cases in the book uh, that um, uh, uh, still shocked me. Um, there were Marley Graham, case where actually uh, this month is the 11th anniversary of his death. Um, uh, the initial information put out by the police there that was covered by the media was that um, Marley Graham struggled with the officer who, who shot and killed him. This was uh, Marley Graham. This was an 18-year-old who police kicked down his door and uh, shot him in his bathroom in the Bronx uh, in front of his six-year-old brother and, and grandmother. And they initially said that he struggled with the officer. And actually, three days after that, uh, uh, the police commissioner at the time of the NYPD, Ray, Kill Ray Kelly, came out and and walked that back. However, something interesting that I found while I was researching this case now, 10 years later, um, even despite that uh, admission from the police commissioner, three days after that happened, about a month later, a second police report was filed in the Marley Graham case, and it still was saying that uh, he struggled with the officer who shot him, um, which is really, I mean, that to me is is a really extreme example. You have a, a false report and, and an admission from the, the, the top brass at the NYPD, and yet a month later, they're still filing false information. And, and I, I'll end this story by saying nobody was ever investigated here in the Marley Graham case and, and or disciplined over that false reporting. It, it almost seems like the civilian leaders are always scared to confront the police 
and the union, even as they're the ones who define the budget for the police. You know, what power is it that you believe these unions, and I know you did this specific to New York, but I know in your investigations, you're bound to have gone over many other uh, cities and municipalities as well. What power is it that allows these uh, these these elected officials to almost give police the carte blanche on whatever they want, a carte blanche on allowing them to lie, allowing them to uh, mistreat, harm? What what is it that that um, that that they pull on these elected officials? Yeah, they um uh so uh just to piggyback a little bit on what you're saying, the unions are awesomely powerful. They're very litigious. They spend a lot of money. Uh, a lot of their their union dues go to um assembling a a army of of lawyers to to um defend police officers and do the union's work. They're also incredibly active in in lobbying and and that sort of thing. And and one interesting point that I think you're alluding to here about um you know the dynamic between say uh, a mayor de blasio and a a uh, a pat lynch the 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 head of the the uh patrolman's uh union. union in new york city uh there's obviously great tension there they they bash each other in the media all the time uh the union side probably more so than the than the uh, administration side but at the end of the day they have to sit down at the table and hash out a contract and um, so that, that's an interesting tension that exists. And I, I, I will say um, um, one thing because I was uh, in, one thing that was intriguing to me to learn um, while researching this book was from my my perception, just from up to up to the point of of, of starting the book um, was you know that the unions just bash Bill De Blasio in the media, just hammer him constantly. Um, but if you dig deeper into what went on, um, on the contract side, he really, uh, um, you know, he, he was real, really skilled at negotiating their contract as well as all the other union contracts in the city. I think within his first few years in, in office, Mayor de Blasio renegotiated or negotiated every single union contract in the city. We're talking about 150, three contracts, I believe. Um, so that's no small, uh, yeah. job to do. And, and I think, um, uh, the, the PBA contract was the last one he got done, but he did get it done despite, uh, you know, Pat Lynch's, um, best efforts to delay and, 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 and kind of squeeze more and more out of him. Um, so that's just a really interesting tension that exists here. Now, look, as an expert, and I do consider you somebody who went through all that material uh, to look at police misconduct, et cetera, and, and how powerful unions are and the threats they can make onto um, politicians. I have something to posit to you, and you tell me your thoughts about this. My, my, my theory is that these politicians are scared to mess with police officers because if they go on a silent strike, if they go, uh, if they, if they let up on, on, on their some of their heavy handedness, their fear is that there's going to be an explosion in violence and people being attacked. And then politically, they're toast. But my 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 answer to that is to play hardball. You guys are going to do this or we will invoke the 
National Guard. Not We don't have a, a posse comitatus issue here because it would be the National Guard and not specifically the military. Why don't we ever have politicians with spine to really break, just like Reagan broke Patco, why don't these guys who know the police officer unions are an institution of built on lies, why don't they play the hard ball and let America see that we are there to defend you all? Yeah, no, the, 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 the fear factor that you bring up here is really interesting. And I think that was something that a lot of folks in and around the de Blasio administration during the time, during his tenure as mayor, talked to me about um, uh, one specific example. Most, uh, the most probably uh, stark example here is, um, you know, after Eric Garner was killed, uh, the tension uh, between Mayor de Blasio and the NYPD, it, it, it really, um, st- things started to shift, but it really reached a boiling point later that year after two officers were gunned down in Brooklyn, uh, which led to uh, the NYPD NYPD members um, and union members turning their back on the mayor and and also led to a work uh, slowdown. Um, um, One interesting side note, after that work slowdown occurred, uh, some uh, reporters dug into the data and they found that crime actually went down after the NYPD <laughs> slowed down. So, um, but uh, the, the you know, just to go back to your question, um, heard I, I talked to a lot of people who, who told me that um, the administration, the de Blasio administration was, was pretty scared uh, of what might happen next there um, after the officers turned their backs on him and, and were, you know, really just putting out this us versus them um, mentality, this attitude, um, what might happen if there's, you know, 36,000 NYPD patrol officers just decide to stop working. So, um, and to hear that, (laughs) to hear that from, from uh, people who are working in, in and around the administration, uh, to me, it sounds like they weren't anywhere close to uh, uh, your suggestion there of like uh, really putting the screws to them. I think they were um, more I, on the side of fear. Yeah, you know, I think, I mean, right now, I think police officers think they're gods and with their unions. And I think that they believe that they have these puny politicians at their behest And until we say, no, we have other structures to prevent. I mean, we have the separation of powers everywhere else. Why don't we have it where these guys have? I mean, here in Houston, where I'm at, uh, the police officers do no no work that's more dangerous than a fire person. My father was a fireman. I think they're just they, they save lives. They put themselves in danger. I would posit that you might find more firemen getting hurt than police officers getting hurt. And at the same time, in in Houston, they raised hell that there was an equalization of pay between police officers and firemen. And it, it, on fire people, I should say, it drove me crazy. But again, they have clout. We need to find a way to tell them, no, you don't. We pay your bills. And if you decide to go on strike, we go ahead and we bring in the National Guard. The National Guard works on command. You work on a little less than on command. Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, example uh, about a, a a fight in Houston. I, I I'm not familiar with that, but that's uh, I'd like to know more about that. Um, one thing I'll say here on, on in terms of the union power, uh, 
if you're looking for a story uh, of hope, a story that maybe it could go another way, I'd uh-huh. point you toward I'd point you towards towards my book. Uh, uh, I think there's a a, re, uh, a story of hope here. Uh, specifically, what I'm referring to is so I, in in the book I talk a lot about this police secrecy law uh-huh. in New York City. Thank Civil you, Fifty A. Yes, Civil Rights Law Fifty A. So um, that was the law that kept police. Uh, disciplinary records secret uh, going all the way back to the 1970s. And and it was repealed uh, in 2020 after George Floyd was killed. And and a lot of people um, uh, will say shorthand, it it, it happened overnight. Um, But uh, in in my book, I talk about uh, the long, hard fought struggle of the uh, activist community in New York City, which is uh, largely led by the mothers and, and other loved ones of young black and brown men uh, who were killed by the NYPD over the years. Uh, their fight to get that law changed that dates back to, you know, the mid uh, 2010s, even earlier. And and um, uh, these are uh, this is a group of people that uh, to, to this day remains incredibly organized and just uh, you know, has the, the the fortitude and the drive to really do what, you know, tends to happen in our democracy. Things move slowly, but you have to be uh, always in the game and and ready and wait for your moment. And and part of why that that law was changed so quickly in 2020 was um, you know, the activists who were who were who were driving that effort. Um, they were ready. Uh, they were ready to to push it and and reorganize as soon as it looked like the state legislature uh, had an interest in doing that. So that's and 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 for that, you know, that that's a law that was written in the nineteen seventies by the police unions and was pushed successfully forty years, keeping it intact in the legislature and and also winning challenge after challenge in the courts. You know, that law was was airtight there would have been no way to reform it it was either repeal or 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 nothing because of how much successful case law there was um and all of that was very much police union driven and and they went down and then and when they after it it was repealed they fought um in the courts and 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 the courts upheld the repeal as well so like i said if this if that's something you're looking for a story where the police unions lose uh uh, I would point you to this book. That is excellent. Let, let, let me ask you one other thing, Mike. I mean, I imagine that I imagine that those people, those activists that are fighting are are probably impressed with your book that actually, you know, activists as an active, what I call myself an activist journalist myself. Uh, yeah, we, we we get a whole lot. We, we do a whole lot. The activist part, but the research part is so very important so that you can apply the the technical numbers to what's occurring. And I imagine that uh, they're happy for all that information that over the last several years you've been, been able to dig out. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I hope they, they like the book, but I, I think they're, they're, they're uh, 10 times happier with um, the way that that issue became a focus Um police secrecy and, and disciplinary secrecy became a real focus for reporters like myself after Eric Garner was killed and, you know, talked to uh, a lot of these folks that spend time up on the Hill in Albany. And, and they talked to me about how 
know, after our reporting at BuzzFeed came out, uh, reporting from the Daily News that was going on at the same time, New York Times as well, uh, that really opened doors for them to uh, open new doors for them within the state legislature just to get in there and, you know, explain what was going on with this issue. So, yeah, uh, I know that that has been useful to that community. Well, let me let me tell you here, uh, Mike, last question is one that's all on you. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I know. Like Everybody reacts that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll tell you, um, uh, I guess one. Um, uh, one, one more quick anecdote from the book. Uh, that's top of mind right now because we've been talking about police unions so much. And I think it really speaks to um, their willingness to do whatever it takes to defend mm -hmm. themselves. And I'll say it, this is a story about uh, Pat Lynch, uh, the PBA president, um, who, who everybody I talked to for the book in and around uh, Mr. Lynch, in and around the, the NYPD top officials, refers to him as Patty in a very uh loving way uh, friendly term loving way yeah um which you, you know uh, uh <laughs> as an irish man who know, has a couple patties in his uh family and extended family i can i i get it um uh they they like his doggedness and uh one thing what story about my um uh dealings with him so uh when we were getting ready to publish uh our um cachet of records at BuzzFeed. We let the police unions know what we were going to do, um, gave them a ton of time uh, to respond. And what um, Pat Lynch did is he wrote a letter to the NYPD commissioner asking him to investigate uh, uh, whether myself um, and anyone inside the NYPD stole the, these documents. And, wow. And I only know about this letter uh, because they published it on their website like it was a press release um uh and it came out a couple days before um uh we published our database and that has always really stuck with me you know uh pat lynch he you know he's uh he's a union president you know him mostly from tv wearing you know a a, a suit and but at the end of the day he's still a police officer right and, and a police officer if they're gonna accuse somebody of a crime um they're supposed to find probable cause um or and and um you know i just found it interesting that as somebody who's in a profession where they they that level they, they're supposed to have that level of care and concern for what they're doing would 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 come out and and basically effectively accuse me of, of committing a crime um uh with no real basis for that amazing michael hayes author of the secret files bill de blasio the new york and nypd and the broken promises of police reform Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. That's some very important work that you wrote here that everybody needs to take a look at. Thanks for having me.
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.